Well, hello, fiends, and welcome back to that Horror Witch podcast. This is your host, Christy, and by request of Taylor Deuce, who is the director of the short film Lilith that you can find on YouTube, I'm covering the very divided Halloween Ends, which is directed by David Gordon Green. He's directed the 2018 Halloween, Halloween Kills, Pineapple Express. He's worked on Eastbound and Down and The Righteous Gemstones with the writer of this film, one Mr. Danny McBride, who, again, you would know him for comedy. Again, Pineapple Express, Eastbound and Down, which is a fucking hilarious show. <laughs> you have to check it out on HBO one of these days. It's so good. So, and also he's known for This is the End. And the way that I found out that he was a huge horror fan, aside from being surprised that he wrote not only the 2018 Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends, I saw him in the 2017 Alien Covenant, which was actually pretty good. And I believe I saw, I think it was behind the scenes stuff of him speaking so passionately about how much of a huge horror fan he is. So, again, I don't know. I thought that he did really strong writing on Halloween 2018. I was blown away by that. I thought that movie was fantastic. Halloween Kills got on my fucking nerves with the evil dies tonight. I just, I can't. So, so I was kind of amped up about, you know, Halloween ends, but I was also cautiously optimistic. And I feel like... I was kind of right. So I have some friends in the horror community, especially the Slasher app. We are all very vocal about how we feel, but we all try to be as, you know, as respectful as possible, even if we don't agree on something, especially like a movie like this. So I realized, I think it might have been from a meme or something like that, or something floating around social media, maybe Instagram or something. The similarities between the title cards of the original three movies with these three, I guess you would call them reboots, I suppose. The title cards look the same, they're the same colors and everything. And so, I don't know, thinking about it, and one of my slasher app friends blood milk and sky she brought up a good point that maybe the whole point of this third one was it was supposed to maybe be a nod to halloween 3 where there is no michael myers there's these masks that kill people and that very repetitive song So, you know, with that in mind, I do kind of feel like that makes more sense because originally after watching it, my first impression was, okay, so it had a very strong beginning. I don't know what the fuck the middle was. And then the very, very, very ending. I really enjoyed, but not the portion before the very ending, if that makes sense. 
So, Halloween ends. I believe it's a year after everything happens with Halloween Kills. And so, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis is reprising her role as Laurie Strode for the billionth time, or in some timelines, the fourth time. She's also known for True Lies, A Fish Called Wanda, Freaky Friday, the list goes on and on. So, again, like I said, it had a very strong beginning with Lori doing some healing, possibly even having gone to therapy, and she stopped drinking, she's in the process of writing a book about her experiences as a trauma survivor, she's built a very loving, supportive relationship with her granddaughter Allison, by Andy Matichak. And she's had guest spots on shows like Blue Bloods and Orange is the New Black before I believe this to be her breakout role in the 2018 Halloween. She's even, well, the both of them are reviving some old Halloween traditions that Lori enjoyed, like baking a pumpkin pie for her from scratch. And they're both bonding despite having lost Lori's daughter, Karen, who is Allison's mother. And Lori's all excited to do this with her, except the pie ends up burning, which kind of bums her out, but she doesn't really have a big reaction to it. She just kind of gets through it. So Allison works as... I believe an RN at a small doctor's office in town and she helps people but keeps a low profile at work as best she can despite being tagged like Lori as the weird girl for having trauma because you know like they have control over what happened to them and how they respond which yeah they kind of do but at the same time it's like you're really gonna victim blame? Okay. So, Allison, she's tried to move on as best she could, and she's had some romantic relationships that have gone south, trying to move forward as best she can. It's hard to form new relationships. Not everyone is always so supportive or knows how to really be supportive to a partner, to someone with trauma. And it's not the partner's job to fix the other person and not there to solve all their problems but it's also you know not for the faint of heart if you're not equipped with being emotionally supportive in the ways that they need and so she meets Corey played by Rowan Campbell who has been in shows like the Hardy Boys series and Snowpiercer and which I actually I have to catch that one because I really love the movie, so I re- and I've heard some good things about the TV series, so I need to catch that one. So anyway, Corey has his own baggage to put it lightly. He's a babysitter, and this is again right after maybe a year after Michael's return to Haddonfield. The town is shaken; it's on edge, but trying to put on a brave front. And he babysits a kid who was really affected by it, terrified of Michael Myers. He's not sleeping great. He's wetting the bed, easily startled. But I guess because 
Corey is a boy and the child is a boy, maybe he thinks he has to act like he's not some scared baby or whatever. You know, like some kids they want to put on like bravado, acting like, oh, look, I'm not easily scared. So, you know, not really a necessarily a boy thing, but sometimes kids act like that. So anyway, so they don't end up going trick-or-treating and this kid's parents, they're getting ready for a Halloween party and the boy is supposed to go to bed early. So they end up watching The Thing, another Carpenter classic, which uh, I believe Lori, Tommy, and Lindsay also watched in the original Halloween movie, but it was the, back in the, I think it was the 19... 50s, 1951 to be exact, and it was at the time called The Thing from Another World. So, yay, there's some horror trivia for you. <laughs> so, again, I like that there's callbacks. I enjoy that part of these three movies. Well, I guess now that it's over, but this newer trilogy, if you will. So, Corey and the kiddies babysitting. They end up playing hide and seek around the house, and Corey gets paranoid that the kid is tr going to get hurt, and so he ends up locking himself in a room with a knife. And Corey threatens to like bash the door in and like kill the kid because he's like getting on his nerves, like in the oh man, I'm gonna kill you type of way, like in a I'm not looking to murder you type of way, just like a, oh man, you're in trouble. So the kid ends up kind of rushing out of the room and he falls from the top of the stairs and he accidentally stabs himself with a knife and Corey, like the way it looks from the parents' perspective looking up, it looks like Corey was the one that killed him. And so, of course, automatically he's blamed for the death of this child. And much like Lori, he's constantly berated by strangers in town for inadvertently having someone killed. Except with Lori, it's all, you know, basically using her as a meat shield for what Michael did with his killing spree and attempted murders of people around town who were still living, but... They have permanent injuries, and they have trauma, obviously. So, you know, somehow Lori is painted within this town as, like, a beacon for Michael, or somehow she's responsible for Michael. Like, what the fuck? So, Corey, he doesn't... He tries to keep a low profile while in town. He gets a job at a scrapyard, a junkyard, if you will, and he gets treated like shit by, like, a bunch of, like, a group of stupid teenagers, and so Corey just ends up snapping one day. He ends up, after getting jumped by these group of teenagers, they're all, like, stereotypical. It's basically the breakfast club, but more douchey, so... <laughs> Corey ends up killing a homeless man accidentally when the homeless man comes at him with Corey's knife and asks, you know, oh, how come 
Michael didn't go after you. Why did he spare you? Basically, again, like, lots of victim shaming and survivor's guilt type of shit in this fucking town. Everyone in this town doesn't know how to deal with their shit. So, anyway. So, Corey accidentally stabs this man to death. Kind of. And somehow this kind of sets off maybe a light switch in him. And then he ends up deciding to help Michael on his killing spree. Why he would think Michael would spare him is beyond me. Because, as we all know, Michael Myers isn't exactly the type of person who plans out this shit. He kind of kills without much discrimination at all. He's basically just like, alright, hey, here's a person, let me kill them. So, you know, it's not like we really get any dialogue from Michael at all in any iteration, really. So, joke's on you, Corey. So, <sighs> my beef with this movie was, again, I really liked the fact that, you know, Laurie and Allison, they've gotten a lot closer since the traumatic events of the, you know, past year, year or two. They hadn't let the death of Karen be something that pushed them apart, which, you know, in a way, it kind of did because Allison ends up leaning more on Corey because I guess she feels like He's the one that understands what I'm going through. I can't really talk to anyone else about this shit because I'm labeled as there's something wrong with me and I gotta be coddled and everything or seen as a freak. Um, that, okay, that's fine. But I got annoyed because it honestly felt like it should have been titled Halloween Season of the Cory because... Michael Myers basically just has some cameos, except for when basically Corey uses him as like, I don't know, maybe like a tag team type of thing with killing people. It's fine. And, you know, again, maybe that's what they were going for. Like, oh, look, you know, now that Corey is taking up the mantle of this source of pain in this town, this source of trauma in this town, something no one wants to work through. They just want to slap a band-aid over it, or not even, or just act like nothing happened, but at the same time just really obsess over this shit. And I do agree with Jamie Lee Curtis in one of the interviews when she was promoting this that given the timeline of the original, Lori would have have gone right back to school after the first movie and it would have been swept under the rug and there wouldn't have been any sort of trauma or crisis counseling. She would have had to just act like everything's all fine and then go figure she has addictions and really poor <laughs> coping mechanisms and really strained relationships and really hardcore trauma in general. And again, I felt like that was really the strongest part of all three of these, all three of the, um, the new trilogy. And I really, really loved that part. I, I felt like it gave these horror films a lot more realism to them instead of, you know, we're all fine with a crazed maniac who's just going on a killing spree 
just cause. Like, he has no rhyme or reason. And that's all well and good. And what I personally like is seeing how it affects the victims who survive and what they're going through, how they're dealing with it, if they're even dealing with it, and that, you know, even if you do end up killing the monster in this film, what is the aftermath? And again, brilliant, brilliant writing on that. That's fine. That's what I love about it. Those are, again, the strongest points. Okay, and I also like to see the creativity and the kills. I like to see the special effects. That's fine. Cool. But I I don't know. I just wish that, or maybe, I don't know. Maybe I just need to do a rewatch. There's another slasher uh, friend of mine who <laughs> we have the same view with this movie. It was very much the whole, like the beginning, like the ending. What the fuck was the middle? So I agree with Brian Zombie on that one. And maybe it does deserve a rewatch. Maybe I'll do that and see how I feel about it afterwards. Maybe if I go back into it with the thought of, okay, maybe this is supposed to be like the original Halloween 3, where it's not going to be completely centered around Michael Myers. It's going to be a whole another story. So I'm trying not to be too harsh about it. I know there are a lot of fucking people that did not like it. And I know there's a lot of other people that are like, oh, well, if you don't like it, then there's all the other movies. Like, okay, yeah, fair enough. And we're able to watch all the other 5,000 sequels that some are good and fun and entertaining, others not so much. Me personally, I do love Season of the Witch because it's camp. It's so much fucking camp. It's so fun. It's quotable. And you're welcome for that theme song to now be stuck in your head. And I am happy that it wasn't over and over again with the whole evil dies tonight because that shit really got on my fucking nerves and took me out of Halloween Kills. I was seriously rooting for Michael at that point. Just take everybody out. Like, please just put me out of my misery and just take, wipe out this whole town, please. They're getting on my fucking nerves. And another thing that, it made me cringe. Like I said, the very, very ending, I did enjoy. And it was Lori moving on with, I think it was an old friend, and they're starting, like, maybe a little romantic thing, and, like, she's getting back into hobbies and everything, and doing her writing and all that. That's great. Cool. But what I did not like, necessarily, was, okay, so I'm not a religious person. I went to a concert recently for a satanic doo-wop group called Twin Temple. And so I couldn't help but notice that there was a crucifixion of sorts of Michael. So of course they have like a final battle and everything. And Lori's stabbing his one hand down with a knife, nailing his hand down on, I guess you would say like a kitchen counter breakfast nook type of thing. Anyway, and then she grabs another knife, pins down his other hand. Well, yeah. And then she goes and she pretty much, like, she pins his feet down by pushing the refrigerator down onto his feet so he's trapped. He can't move at all. And then the kicker is she then gets a third knife and stabs it 
where not in his heart through his ribs into his heart like on his side so I was like oh you gotta be fucking kidding me <laughs> so that that is what I really didn't like I was like that's okay that's sure symbolism cool whatever but like really so I didn't like that <laughs> and then oh yeah so uh, so prior to that there's some melodrama Corey goes in, comes in between the relationship between Allison and Lori and he's hiding the fact that he's a serial killer and Lori finds out that he's this fucking crazed killer helping Michael and so Corey makes it so it looks like Lori killed him even though he tried to kill himself and but by slitting his own throat and all that and then he ends up having Michael finish the job and kills him so he's like oh okay <laughs> So yeah, Corey, you're not special. Michael still ended up killing you anyway. So, la di da, whatever. I don't care about Corey. So then, of course, Lori takes out Michael. He dies finally. She takes off his mask, and oh, you're just a man. Blah. Okay. So then, Allison and Lori end up dragging Michael's body on top of the car parading it around town and everyone in town follows to the scrapyard the junkyard and Lori well first so they get Michael off of the car and again they're like carrying him like he's like a dead Jesus or something <laughs> and um so Lori puts him into this wood chipper of sorts of yeah so then it mangles his body. There is no fucking way he's getting out of this one because every last part of him is crushed to shit. And there's great, like, blood splatter and everything. The guts look real. It's gross. Okay, cool. So this guy can survive multiple stabbings, shootings, fire, but he can't. He He's definitely not going to come back from that shit. So if that's the best way to let it be known to the audience that he is definitely not coming back. They're not doing another one. Okay, that's all well and good. I was fine with that. I just, between the Cory, the season of the Cory and the crucifixion thing, I, uh, I'm not here for that. Which, again, I don't give a flying fuck about what people believe in. I'm not even offended by it. I just thought it was fucking stupid. <laughs> that, that's my two cents about that. And so, that was Halloween Ends. Whether you love it, you hate it, or you're just indifferent to it. You could check it out on Peacock, and or you can check it out at your local theater. If you feel so inclined to do so, keep an eye out for more of my thoughts on the Anne Rice interview of the Vampire series on AMC Plus. And holy fucking shit, it's a masterpiece. I fucking love it already. I'm only on to, I'm about to watch episode four. I'm trying to pace myself, but oh my god, I'm so fucking excited. I got so emotional because it's so fucking good. It's, it's fucking incredible. So, look for that, and have a good night, fiends. Bye! Just a reminder, fiends, if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, and you want to support this channel, you can feel free to donate any amount you like to the listener support button. 
Thanks and have a good one.